I'm Melissa Vontek, and welcome to episode 66 of Books Cubed, the show where I chat with authors you should be reading. It is Thursday, June 11th, 2020, and I'm dying to know what you're reading, so drop down to the comments and click on that link. It will take you over to the YouTube page. That's okay. Leave your comment there. That way I'll see it. Uh, and I will need some new books soon. I am uh, currently reading a, a lot of uh, science fiction, and it is wonderful. I will read anything, really. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. Let me know. What is your favorite? Are you an author? Do I need to read your book? Let me know. I need to know. Okay, let's get right to the show. Um, we are, I, we, I, I've been sitting in my office too long, obviously. And you can see when the show starts, I've got my um, Millennium Falcon background. I forgot to change it. That's what I usually have on the computer. I write in a Zoom group every afternoon, and we all have funky backgrounds. And um, that's the one I usually use, at, which is what you'll see during the interview. So I'm going to get right to it. I am talking with Michelle Berger. We are talking speculative fiction. It is really great chat. I had a great time talking with her. Her book is is perfect for these times. Um, I don't want to go too much into it because I want you to be surprised and uh, find it out as we are chatting. So let's get right to it and I'll see you after. I want to thank Michelle for coming on today. And before we do anything, I'm going to start with her bio. Um, I always say, oh, I'll do the bio when I do the intro and then I always forget. So, um, okay. So uh, Michelle Tracy Berger is a professor, a creative writer, a creativity coach, and a pug lover. Oh, I love pugs too. That's me. Okay. Her main love is writing speculative fiction, though she's also known to write poetry and creative nonfiction too. Her fiction has appeared or is forthcoming in Concrete Dreams, Witches, Warriors, and Wise Women. Ooh, I'm not going to say that right. Uh, what is the fantasy collection of from? Uh, Afro-myth. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to say it wrong. My I need new glasses and the, the type is really small. But anyway, let's get back to her bio. Uh, stories we tell after midnight, Uncommon Origins, a collection of gods, monsters, nature, and science, Flying South, a literary journal, 100 Word Stories, Thing Magazine, Blood and Bourbon, oh, I like that, FIA, F-I-Y-A, Magazine of Black Speculative Fiction, and the Red Clay Review. Her nonfiction writing and poetry have appeared in the Chapel News, Chapel Hill News, excuse me, Glint Literary Journal, Oracle Fine Arts Review, Trivia, Voices of Feminism, The Feminist Wire, Ms. Magazine, Carolina Women Magazine, Western North Shore Women. Oh my gracious, you just, you have tons. Okay, um, tons, uh, let's see, there was one here, uh, Luminist, Luminiscent Threads, Connections to Octavia Butler uh, and Various Zines. She runs an award-winning blog called The Practice of Creativity. Her science fiction novella, Renew You, was recently published by Flag's Falstaff Books. Falstaff Books, I'm sorry. My daughter went to Flagstaff University, so my mind immediately went there. Uh, and that's the one we're going to be talking about today, especially. Much of her work explores psychological horror, especially through issues of race and gender. She's currently a trustee on board of the North Carolina Writers Network and president-elect of the North Carolina Literary and Histor Historical Association. Okay, so <laughs> welcome today. Wow, you, you are very prolific with your story. Short stories? Short stories. Uh, thank you for that introduction. I'm so happy to be here. And it, um, yeah, 
uh, for a long period of time, I didn't believe that I could write short stories. And uh, the novella, which we'll talk about in a minute, actually came out of a 400,000 word failed novel. <laughs> and um, I had always wanted to write novels and worked on novels, but you know, was told 20 years ago, one way to move up the you know, writing ladders to write short stories and writing short fiction is, is a really great craft. It's really great training, but it's very different than writing novels. So it's only been in the last, um, I would say 10 years that, and really last six years that the more of my, like, like flash fiction and um, everything I used to write, you know, came out like a novella. And so I had to really learn how to, to hone it. Um, so yeah, tell everybody what whole, flash fiction is. Cause not everyone knows what flash fiction is. So flash fiction, Usually it's a, anywhere from 2,500 words all the way down to 100 words. And um, everything is very compressed. I mean, it has a beginning, middle, and end, but it's a compressed story. And there are so many places um, for, your, for emerging writers. Flash fiction and really working in that form is a great way to actually uh, get published because there's many venues that accept you know, uh, flash fiction. And the sweet spot, sweet spot, as you know, is that 2,000 to 6,000 word for short stories. And um, I remember one of my teachers, because I just could not quite grasp all of this. And she said, well, you know, writing a short story is like having a wonderful dinner party. And there's a beginning, a middle, and end. And, you know, people have appetizers and they're talking and then it and ends. And what I realized is that the reason why you know, my, my short fiction wasn't coming out very short is that all of my characters in some ways slept over. It was like, you know, the, it just, the party just extended. So I had to really figure out how to, um, what an idea was that could be worked successfully within short fiction. Yeah. Short fiction is hard. I have just started <laughs> writing short fiction and um, a good friend of mine, Lisa, who co-wrote a series of prompt books with me, she writes flash fiction all the time, a hundred words. Oh, and wow, okay. she's published a lot and she's award-winning. And I just, I, I, I'm just in awe of anybody who can write a short story because I mean, I'm like you, I read or write a short story and I want to write another 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, hundred thousand words with those characters. Or I read a friend of mine, Lori, she's been on the show a couple of times. She's written a short story inside a, um, an anthology of horror books and I told, I, every time I see her, I say, three books. I want three books on those characters. She's like, it's a short story. Leave me alone. <laughs> said, but that's what I want. But yeah, it, it's hard. It really is. And, yeah. and I think part of it is also, I like to play with, um, with structure and um, also with voice. And so, you know, you really don't have that. I mean, you can do very innovative things in flash fiction, don't get me wrong, but you don't have um, that kind of length in terms of like multiple viewpoints and, you know, playing with structure. So trying to really figure out how can I tell the story economically and with, the, with an emotional punch. And, you know, a lot of short fiction, it doesn't have to resolve in some ways as completely as, you know, when someone has gone on a journey with you for a short story or a novel. Yeah. Have you listened to Joyce Carol Oates' Masterclass? No. And it's funny because I am a Masterclass, <laughs> I don't want to say fanatic, but um, I have listened to many of the authors, starting with Margaret Atwood, because I literally, 
this is not one of the questions when you know we were talking about what we might talk about. Um, usually people ask about your influences, like Margaret Atwood, amongst other writers, um, you know, if if there was such a thing as an evil spirit and it and it came up and it said, look, you know, you know, I will I will allow you to write like Margaret Atwood if you would give me a limb or a piece of your liver or something, I would would really consider that. But I started with Margaret Atwood and um, and then did Neil Gaiman, but I have not done Joyce Carol Oates. And so- I, I, I mentioned her because you talk about uh, structure and she really goes, I mean, she's the story, short story queen. So she goes, she talks about different ways mm -hmm. to get that. I, I'm not even gonna give it justice, but, but I highly recommend her class. Uh, whoops. Okay, we still there? Do I still have you? Because it says my internet connection is unstable. I'm having terrible problems with yes. the internet and we are working off my internet. I'm hooked into my cell phone, which has like one bar. Oh God, it's got two. We might we be okay. We are adaptable. You know, writers are nothing if they're not adaptable. <laughs> you have to be, you have to be. So let, let's, let me read. Um, I, your book, Renew You, deals with hair. I mean, it deals with a lot of things, but hair to me is so important. It, I love I love history. Uh, I studied history in college, and looking at photos from different time periods. I mean, the first thing you notice about anybody is their hair. Uh, it tells you so much about where they're from, what their culture is, what time period it is. Hair repeats. I mean, you see hair from the twenties showing up again in the six in the sixties. I mean, it, it it hair always comes back again, just like fashion does. But hair is just so, you know, it's so, it's so personal. It says so much about a person. And uh, I just, I was so fascinated by the way you used hair uh, in the book. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to just really quickly read. Uh, the book is called Renew You. It's R-E-E-N-U dash Y-O-U. Couldn't think of what the word dash was. Oh, brother. Okay. So Renew you. Okay. What if a salon, what if a visit to a salon could kill you? What if a hair product harbored a deadly virus? Kat is an out-of-work ski instructor who just wants to pack up her deceased mother's things, leave New York, and return to Aspen. Constancia? Did I say that right? Constancia is a talented but troubled young woman who just wants to start her first semester of college in different shops across New York City. They and hundreds of other women of color try a new hair relaxer called Renew You. Then things start to go horribly wrong. Within days, they find themselves covered in purple scab-like lesions, a rash that pulses, oozes, and spreads in spiral patterns. They're at the epicenter of a mysterious virus spreading throughout the city. As the outbreak spreads and new cases pop up in Black and Latino communities throughout New York, panic, anger, and questions fill the streets. What is this virus and where does it come from? Is it corporate malfeasance? Or is this an orchestrated plot to kill minority women? In the face of terrifying and uncertain future, Kat, Constancia, and a small band of other affected women are forced to confront their deepest fears to save themselves and others. As the world crumbles around them, they will discover more about each other, learn about themselves, and draw strength to face the future together. Renew You looks at social and political meanings of hair, female friendships, and viruses. And you know the whole the virus thing, <laughs> kind of appropriate. Um, considering we're now hitting our second wave of COVID. So if you're listening in the future, uh, today, what is today? I don't even know what the day is. It's the middle of June. I'll look later. And uh, 2020. And COVID is coming back. 
So, so w- when you wrote this, did you have any idea about pandemics? <laughs> well, a, a couple of things. Uh, and you're right that hair and adornment is such an important um, part of who we are. It's, it's, it's also gendered, it's racialized. And for me, at least in um, speculative fiction, you know, I grew up reading a lot of fantasy. No one was talking, people always talk about long, uh, you know, tresses, but no one talked about who was doing, who were the stylists, who was doing hair, right? And, and I think the fact that that is a kind of a body politics was so left out was of interest to me. But um, what, what the kernel of the story actually came from, um, and it was actually, I started writing in the 1990s and there was a product, a real product on the market and this, it was called Rio and they did infomercials. So this is in the 1990s when infomercials were relatively new and, um, you know, they basically marketed as an all natural um, hair relaxer, right? And that was a big deal. And so, and I remember they actually had models, you know, like swiping their fingers in and saying it's so good that you can eat it. This was also at the rise, the time of the rise of everything being labeled green and healthy and organic. So I took that idea and, um, you know, I was sort of watching this as a, as a, just as a consumer. And then what happened, there was a class action lawsuit filed about a year and a half later, um, mostly, but not solely by women of color. And basically they found that the product had even higher um, ingredients that were unhealthy for people than, than an average um, hair care product. And in women's hairs, you know, were t- the scalps were terribly burned. Um, all of that was happening. And so, you know, for me, it was to take, to extrapolate that idea and magnify it, right? And to, you know, I'm, I'm someone, I'm a Gen Xer, I'm someone who grew up also during HIV AIDS. And if we think back to that moment, we didn't really know a lot about viruses. It's also, uh, we didn't know a lot about HIV AIDS and we also didn't, couldn't communicate the way that we did. So the, the novella is set in the 1990s for a reason. And I wanted to kind of play with, you know, conspiracy theories, um, some of the, the racial and gender um, issues and, and, and also kind of health disparities because it, it seems to manifest initially as a rash and it gets misdiagnosed. And so all of that unfolds. And, and I think the other, th- the other thing I will say is that for me, it was important to kind of have this be p- around collective female friendship because a lot of sci-fi tropes you know, as wonderful as like, for example, as wonderful as Wonder Woman is, it's like one woman and a bunch of dudes, you know, and I loved Wonder Woman. I saw it twice, right? Um, and, and also, you know, when we see, <clears throat> at least in the in movies, when we have an ensemble cast, it, it usually is one person who is kind of othered. So you have like, historically, you know, the black person, the Latino person, and then all white people or, you know, all men and one woman. And I, I really wanted to kind of play with that and shift that because, collective female friendship is really important. So, and I want to tell a good story, but yeah, hair is, is as you said, it's, it's also, it's political, it's cultural, it's all of those things. And so it's a fun, fun place to play in terms of being a, being a writer in, with this, in this genre. Yeah, you know, you know, it really is. I, I like, I really like the fact that it was women, five women from different, you know, economic, I can't even speak today, economic backgrounds and walks of life 
And when they all got together, and I don't want to give the story away because it's only, it's 174 pages, 147? It's short. It's, yeah, it's, I think, 30,000 words. It's, yeah, it's a novella. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to give much away. Uh, but at one point, they are all holed up. So I'm going to give a little away. At one point, they're holed up in one woman's home, and they're all talking. And as they're talking, and they're arguing and, and trying to figure out what's going on and what they're going to do. And each of them, they're all kind of butting heads because they all come from different situations and they all, you know, it's, it's tough on them all. But I really like that all these women were together and you've got those different points of view and you've got uh, these women helping each other. And you're, you're right. You know, you look at so many of these things and I'm guilty too of that. I mean, I've, I write, uh, I have a character in my series I write, she's very selfish and it's her and her arch nemesis, Morgan, who's a guy and his dog. Well, as, I've, as I've, I'm on the third book now, and I've started adding more characters, and I like the idea that as she goes farther along, she becomes a better person. She learns. She's getting, and she, the second book, the last book I did, she made some friends, sort of. In this book, she makes more friends. She's starting to get out and, and learn people's names and things like that. But, you know, you're right. You look at, you look at, what did I watch the other day? I watched some movie the other day. It was one woman and four guys. I'm thinking, okay, come on, you know, come on. Why can't we have four women and one guy, you know, because the women can do pretty much anything the guys can. Absolutely. Seriously. Absolutely. And I, I like that, you know, talking about character change, um, it, it's, it's fun to play characters off each other. And so, you know, Kat and Constancia um, are very different. Kat is, yes. Kat, Kat is biracial. She is a skier, you know, grew up in New York, but doesn't really like New York City, <clears throat> particularly And Constancia is, is Puerto Rican, she's younger, you know, and, and, and has a, you know, a bit of a <clears throat> chip on her shoulder when we meet her. And so I, I liked that. And I also, but trying to balance that, um, balance the tension and also the time there's, you know, as you said, part of the novella is, is, is set in a place where people are talking to each other, but trying to balance that with, action and moving the story along right like <laughs> that's that's also really important and that's that's also um, can be a challenge too it is you know as a writer that's the biggest thing every word that you write it should advance your story yes. every single word it should bring the, the reader forward so yes. that, and that kind of brings me to something that we talk about a lot on the show is reader expectation mm -hmm. so you write speculative fiction i haven't read a lot of speculative science fiction i love science fiction. Well, I'll read anything. I'm, I'm, I'm just a, a book fiend. Anybody puts a book in front of me, I'm going to read it. I'm, I'm uh, right with there with you. Small <laughs> exception of romance. I don't really read too much romance, but if it's I'm, recommended. And paranormal romance that has a bit of horror. I'm like, okay, I can get, I can get with that now, but we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> that. That might be a way to go for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I have read some really good, uh, I've interviewed some really good um, romance authors on here, but it's not my go-to, but, uh, I think because as a reader, I expect it to be kind of boring, you know, like, like, um, very soap opera because it's all about love and, and romance and finding someone and, and that kind of thing. So that's what I expect if I pick up a rom a romance book. So do you, as you're writing, do you write, what else do you write besides speculative? So I, I write uh, a sort of, a, I say I write across the speculative fiction universe. So kind of modern fantasy, you know, sci-fi, magical realism, 
horror, but I also write what is sort of thought as, you know, realistic fiction, um, as well as creative nonfiction. I think that the challenge is that, you know, for me, I'm, I'm really attentive to language. And so I come out of a, um, you know, kind of a literary oriented tradition. So whatever I do, I want to refine that language. So that's really important, but um, people are coming to, you know, I think sort of genre fiction with high expectations because there are amazing people, you know, writing at a very high level, but there are some readers who, you know, are not necessarily looking, if they see something that's sort of labeled, you know, virus and epidemic, you know, they might be expecting a thriller pace kind of story. Now, I feel like my story has kind of thriller elements because you're, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So I think trying to, you know, balance out what are, what in terms of if you're writing in a genre, you know, what are the expectations readers are coming to? And then how can you subvert them? You know, how can you play with them? So did, I'll just, uh, as a side note about romance that you, you mentioned that, um, the, um, oh my goodness, I'm gonna blank on, this na on the name of the movie. There was a thriller, sort of an action adventure movie that really subverted the genre. And it was really about um, a man and, and his love for his dead wife. And of course, I'm, it had Keanu Reeves in it. I don't know if this sounds, I'm, of course I'll remember it probably when we're off air. Oh, yeah, and what was yeah. so great about it is that it, 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 yes, it's all action adventure, but the driving theme is the passion he has for his dead wife. And so I feel like there are ways that storytellers, we have to be mindful of conventions and then try to subvert them. And then I, and the other thing I'll say is that, you know, for me, at least the first draft is always for me, the first couple of drafts. And then you really have to take a hard look as you're revising, as you know, and really say, you know, is this what the reader wants to know? Is this, is what, is this what the reader's expecting? Is it fun for the reader? Is it, is it really about your own sense of things that you want to put in there? And, and I, I've become much more conscious of that in the last couple of years and really tried to work on that in my storytelling. Yeah, you know, you're right. You have to think about what does the reader expect? And, you know, it's, it's, I think it is it John Wick. Is that the movie? Yes, thank yeah. you. Yes, thank you. I can't, and I love Keanu. I can't believe I blanked on that on that film. Yes, I think it, have you the, seen that? Have you seen the yes, first one? Yes, I, lo I love John Wick. I love Keanu Reeves, and I think the funniest line was something about "You killed my dog, you killed my wife," or so. And it just it just made me think of a country song. Uh, but I love Keanu Reeves so much. Did you see? And, um, and the first the first five minutes or the first eight minutes, you know, with the dog, and I'm, I'm hopefully we're not giving any spoilers, but you know, it's really powerful. And then that drives, even though there's a lot of action adventure, it's really his connection to his dead wife and the dead dog. And, and it's, it's really a smart, um, smart movie. Now the, the other ones that have come, you know, yeah. different. It, it is, it is. And I guess it had, I just read the other day that they had a title for it that wasn't John Wick, but he kept forgetting the title and calling it John Wick, so they just changed the name. <laughs> oh, that's great. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I love Keanu Reeves. And, God, was I just thinking, I was thinking of another, oh, he was in, oh, God, in a Netflix movie. Yes, oh, my goodness, you're reading my mind, Melissa. Where he Always played the be. love interest of the lady. Yes, always be my maybe. The one is that something, is that what yeah, you're something like yeah, that. that. Yes. Oh my God, I love the, yes. the two leads in it, and I can't think of their names. Yes. I can't think of their names, but for those of you watching, if you and that's another one that you know 
this the structure is kind of a romantic comedy which normally i would not be that interested in but it's told through two different particularly asian american perspectives the actors um and it, it you know it sort of flips the script around gender and then you know of course keanu reeves is in it so it's a, it feels very fresh even though when you probably look at the structure it's very much like boy meets girl meets boy loses boy you know and comes back together yeah yeah and you know romance thinking about thinking about that I, my favorite movie is notting hill and oh, i am okay. not a chick flick kind of girl i like where somebody kills a cast of ten thousand. that is my kind of movie but i think i like notting hill because it's from his perspective mm. it's i have not, not from seen the that women's, yet you know and so it's it's something that you don't see all the time you know and his character was such a great character and the roommate was so fantastic. The guy who worked in the bookshop with him was fantastic. It was, um, there are the connections unstable again. Maybe we'll be okay. Uh, but yeah, I think I like it when you turn it upside down and you do something different. And maybe that's why uh, Reverse Harem, which I just heard about not too long ago, it's where it's a bunch of, a woman who has a bunch of guys I think so. And I, think, I think that's been... it. So that's not something that you normally see. So I can see why people, readers would be like, this is really great because it totally turns it on its head and it's totally different. So you have got, you, you come from an academic background. Mm -hmm. that's, so, how I, that's how I, that's how I keep a roof over my head. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm, I'm trained as an academic. Uh, I'm a, I'm, I have a PhD in political science and I do, I do work in women's and gender studies and, and sociology. And so that's, yeah. And I've oh, had a lot, I've had that, a very, that came in handy with your, with your book there. Um, I would say, you know, in college, I was really torn um, between, and this is the early nineties wanting to, cause I was a political studies major and a creative writing minor. And um, I think part of me wanted to, go and pursue an MFA. But at the time, I thought that uh, I had this kind of warped idea about discipline and um, that I wasn't disciplined enough. Um, as it turns out, I think that was the right choice at that time, given MFA programs and all of that. But I also really wanted to do research. And so I went right out of undergrad into grad school. And the thing about graduate school is that it's a, you know, it's rigorous training. And and, I, and in my mind, I thought, well, I will be able to be a professor and I'll be able to write, you know, I'll do the, all the, you know, teaching and, and, and research, but I'll also be able to write creatively. Now that was a, that was not, that was not true. So it took me a long time to make more space for the creative life. Yeah, I've got friends that are academics and yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> I have no time to write. They're pulling their hair out. And yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. So Trying to, yeah, and being an academic that pays the bills, but you still want to be creative. And I love, and I mean, I love, books. I love the, I do, I do love the work. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you, now a lot of, a, a lot of writers, um, we go in our office and we write, or we go in our corner and we write and our family kind of looks at us like, why, why do you do that? <laughs> do you have issues with, without, you know, uh, uh, going into too much personal detail um, <laughs> for family members who may not like it. Uh, how does your family deal with, um, but then go ahead and tell us, how does your family deal with your needing to be your creative side? Well, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that um, I grew up in a family that in terms of my family of origin, very creative, 
supportive. Um, and my sister actually, uh, we have talked about, we're trying to write together. My sister's a, a fantastic storyteller. She did not pursue writing um, in the way that I did, but we're trying to work on stuff. Now in my, in my personal life currently, you know, my partner of 20 years uh, is, is, you know, I can't even imagine um, how other, how people who don't have supportive partners or spouses or significant others manage because he is completely uh, supportive and engaged. And um, often he'll be not necessarily my first reader, but at some point I'll, I'll, I usually, I usually, I usually talk over ideas with him um, and get his perspective and, you know, but he's completely supportive. He does, you know, there are times where he, you know, when you, when you kind of go into the real writing cave, so he'll, uh, he'll tease me, he'll say, he'll call me Meanie, Meanie McWriter. He even had like a little, <laughs> a little lyric going there for a while, but, uh, but that, so that, you know, is, is a good moment where I need to emerge and, but overall just, he's completely supportive. So I think, you know, to have that somewhere in your personal life is really important because it, it, um, most people, you know, do not understand that a lot of times, as you know, as a writer, you're, you're in some ways, part of your brain is always filtering the information around you for something you're working on, right? So to, to try to cultivate and encourage people to understand what that means. And, and, but then when you're not writing, I think that's the other thing to really be present with the people in your life, right? So to, to and, and to try to be um, efficient in your writing. Um, I think that's another key piece. So, you know, my, I think you had, you might've mentioned this earlier, but my book was originally published through a wonderful, a small but mighty in spirit uh, company uh, called Book Smugglers. And they're, they're still around. They, they do a lot of reviewing and just wonderful, but they got out of the publishing business. And, and uh, John Hartness, the editor for Falstaff Press, Falstaff Books, he t and I love the cover. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have the old cover. I love the cover. It had like this funky shape bottle of Renew You, which I describe in the book on it, and all this, you know, sort of abstract representations of women in hair. And, I just, and he looked at it, he's like, this conveys nothing about New York. It conveys nothing about, um, you know, viruses. And so he immediately read the cover, you know, and so, and I was, and it was, I mean, he was, he's, there, he and his team were wonderful to work with, but that, that moment of really understanding differences and how people look at your work and to not, to not take it personally, you know? And I, I think that that's really, really important. Um, yeah. So it sounds like, yeah, I, I think I would probably get overwhelmed because literary agents, you have to read just tons and tons and tons of stuff all the time. And uh, it's hard work. It was, it was, and, and it was just so emotionally draining um, anytime deals fell through or mm. books uh, were not sold and uh, mm. it was too much for me. And I, after five years, my boss had retired and said, and they kept trying to get me to go to LA um, to mm. work in the LA office. And I'm like, I went to LA once and my eyes watered when I got off the train. I don't want to go back. Please don't make me go back. Um, so I would go to Toronto sometimes and I had clients in Toronto, Toronto. You don't, you swallow the tea, Toronto. I get yelled at by locals. You don't say it right. Sorry. Um, Toronto, I love Toronto. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. I probably should have June, uh, my, my character, do something in, in, in Toronto one of these times. Um, uh, but but it, was, it was just too much for me. And I felt like, you know, people wouldn't 
wouldn't listen. I mean, I had somebody um, often, I mean, several clients who would say, you have two weeks to sell it. It's like, oh my gosh. Wow. It's like, <laughs> you, no, no, no. And that I doesn't had, work like that. It doesn't usually work I know. Like that. And I had a couple of clients that were related to <clears throat> one of the huge directors in Hollywood and I still couldn't sell their script. So it was, um, it was just nuts. <laughs> I, I will tell you, um, just kind of going back for a moment, I will, so one of my favorite cities is London. So I would say I need to set something there just as an aside, because I, lo I love, yeah, love it. Have you spent a lot of time there? Well, it was funny. I uh, went there like 25 or more years ago, went right between college and, and grad school. And, um, you know, I was visiting my German boyfriend over there who was, who was living there at the time. And we just, you know, we didn't have a lot of resources, but it was so much, it was so much fun. And, and as a New Yorker, I was like the style, the fashion, like just, I just loved it, but I didn't really care that much about the, the history at the time. Like I wasn't, you know, so into the history, but I went back in 2016, right two days after Brexit had passed like or two or two, oh. two or three days and discovered the British, you know, museum and we went to Charles Dickens house and it just, the, the kind of the weight of the history was much more attentive to that. And also not being like a poor recently graduated college student helped too. Um, but just, so I, I am, am sort of fascinated and enthralled by the history in ways that I wasn't, you know, when I was a, when I was a young person. So I, I feel like I could spend time there and, and, you know, in the UK as, as more broadly. You know, I, I think we need a little bit of time out in the world before you appreciate things and, and getting out and seeing, meeting people from different cultures. I mean, one of my favorite things, absolute favorite things was in Toronto, we went to Queens, Queensland Park or Queens Park, I forget which, what it, which it's called. And we just put a blanket, my friend and I, were, we used to go on vacation um, every year together. And we just put a blanket out and just laid in the grass and listened to all the different accents from around the world. And it was like enriching for the soul. Absolutely. It was, Absolutely. I just, I, I love, and, and as a person who was deaf for so long, and this is when I could still hear, it says before I totally lost my hearing, you know, listening to accents. I love accents. I love, and I always want to say to people, oh my God, where are you from? But I'm always worried they'll think that I'm going to yell at them, go back to your country, which I'm not going to do. And I just need to, I need to preface it with, your language is beautiful, where are you from? <laughs> That's what I need to remember <laughs> to do. Because I, I don't want to, I, I tend to be kind of overwhelming. We had, um, for years, I love Girl Scout cookies. And for years, no Girl Scout came to my house. And we lived on the second floor apartment. And this Girl Scout came to my door and I came out and went, oh my God, I'm so excited. And I scared the hell out of her. And she went running back down the stairs to her mother. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Come back. I think I bought a case from her. Um, oh, that's like the beginning of a horror story. Yes. <laughs> but I tend to be um, a little too much. You know, I, I try to calm myself down. Um, no, enthusiasm but, is so is so good. Is is yeah. We need that. We need more of that. Yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> but but, uh, but I, right now I live in in Florida, in Central Florida, and we've got people from all over the world, huge Jamaican and Dominican Republic and Haitian, and uh, we've got Russian voices and oh gosh, Spanish, and I know some Spanish from living in Tucson. Uh, and, I'm, and it takes me so long to translate that the person has lost interest and walked away. 
by the time I can try to think of a reply. Because I can do it, but then I don't trust myself enough to just say the words. I know what I'm saying. That's right. Then I get That's worried right. I'm going to say it wrong, and uh, you know, and well, like and, my. And, no, and I don't know if you've been to, to Spain, but um, no. you know, it's also just growing up in New York City, and you know, um, hearing different, particularly you know, across the gamut of Spanish accents, and then and then traveling to Mexico versus Spain, and and you know, hearing it in your ear. Very different, yeah, very, very different. Very different, very different. When I lived in Cuba, and Cuba, yes, I, I, yes, yeah. yes, it's all very, and Cuban. That's what we get a lot. We have a lot here too, is Cuban, and the 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 Spanish accent or the Spanish slang is so different in Tucson. And so I worked at this place, and I, I dealt with a lot of custom. About ten percent of our customers spoke Spanish, and I got tired of saying in Spanish, "Please hold for." whatever the girl's name was, who spoke Spanish. <laughs> and I thought, surely I can learn some Spanish. So <clears throat> I took, a, I sent for a Spanish class at the college. The teacher was from Argentina. And it's like, no, yes, you speak Spanish, but it's not the right Spanish. And she, at one point she had said to me, if you say Coco as brown, I think it was, everyone will laugh at you. And I went, went back to Anita, I went back to Anita. I said, "This is what she said," and she said, "She's an idiot. Stop listening to this woman." And and the just the 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 cultural differences, the slang. You have to know the slang for the area, or for that that because the Spanish spoken, like you said, in a lot of places. Well, but, and, I, and I and I think that's important, you know, for for us as as writers too, in terms of trying to you know capture different kinds of idioms and dialects and you know depending on where you're setting your story and and knowing i mean i live in you know, we both live in the south i live in north carolina and you know people who are from and live in the mountains of north western mountains um of north carolina are very different than people who you know live near the beach in terms of the sounds or or people who grow up in the the triangle or the piedmont area um and sort of being mindful of that and i and i think that's that that's really important in terms of us in terms of writing and what we bring to the page oh it is it is um yeah you have to you know that they, they say write what you know and you research things oh. but i think it's important to i know i somebody said that to me the other day write what you show me write what you know and i said oh my god if you wrote what you know you'd write nothing <laughs> you know right. you'd right. be like right. uh, i really, I really like you know like write what you're you know, write what you're passionate about. So yes. one, um, something that's a project that's on the back burner that I'm, I'm trying to get to is a, is a cozy mystery, which is how we, you know, connect a little through the Career Author Summit. Because um, I love, I love mysteries. I love, love thrillers and, and crime and all of that. Um, but it, it deals with fashion. And, you know, um, I love, you know, I love, fashion and fashion history. And so I think write what you know, write what you're, you know, write what you're passionate about and that you want to know more. And, and then you bring in what you know. I mean, I grew up in New York City and I, I brought that into Renew You at New York City, a particular moment. Um, but I'm, I was also, I'm also interested in lots of things. So I, I think you're right. You don't want to get stuck on just what you know, because that's just a, you're going to have to do research no matter what. And so, yeah. you know, write what you're interested in and passionate oh. about. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. And, you know, you can come up with all kinds of amazing things. You know, look at the, read the newspaper and, and grab some headlines and mash them together. And you've got, you know, <laughs> amazing stuff. 
You know, do people read newspapers anymore? <laughs> they read them online. Yeah, they read, they, they read them online. <laughs> yeah, we, we used to get, I don't think I've gotten the newspapers since I lived in Key West. And I got it because the Key West newspaper is hysterical to read. In the, 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 you open the, you open the, the second page and they will list, people can write in and bitch about things. And I forget what they call the column. Um, oh, wow. So you'll have things like um, somebody bitched in there about people keep throwing dog poop in my trash can. I live on Key Haven. And they keep throwing dog poop in my trash can. And I almost, because that was probably me, because our trash can was at the curb 24-7. And I almost wrote, well, our, our neighborhood um, uh, values will increase if you would put your trash cans back up to your house six days a week, you know, uh, but I didn't, but you know, just little things, you know, I saw somebody do this or, or just little bitches and it's hysterical. And there's a lot of, um, machete crime in Key West. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I mean that, that I, uh, yeah, that a couple of years ago, my friends and I, we went on our first cruise ever and we, we stopped at the Keys and, or Key West and amazing. Talk about a, I mean, touristy, but also kind of magical if you get off the beaten, um, beaten path. But um, I think people read exactly that. They, there are so many local, more like, you know, monthly really circulars that are kind of like newspapers that come to people's homes and they read those if they're not, and or read the national news, you know, online. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just got to be that, um, it just, I don't know. I don't, I try to, I try to avoid the news. It, just, it gives me um, a headache. Uh, and, and then I, and that and social media. I mean, I like social media, but I get too involved and then I don't write. So it's just, and so I look and I haven't written anything on social media in like a month. I think, oh, I've really got to write something. So this well, is good. You know, I, I, at least I post about my show once a week. <laughs> And you're on you're on Twitter and Instagram. Not Twitter. No. I mean, I have an account, but I don't. You and don't write. I love Twitter because the the people on Twitter are smart, and they're mm-hmm. quick. They have a mm-hmm. quick wit, and they're smart. And um, I like um, and I like I, I'm more on Instagram. Uh, I like dog pictures and the beach and um, books. You know, I can always find new books to read. Being on Instagram. Um, it just, yeah, I, I found myself, I, I had gotten to where I was just too much in social media and I, I didn't write for a long time. And so I have a hard time doing a both. I mean, like I've got a schedule up on my board of things to mm. post on social media every day. I think I've done yeah. one day and it's been on my board for two months. So, oh, okay. Well, that, it, well, and also it's like, it's that expansive, you know, at some point I think we all, we get like we're doing all the platforms and then trying to figure out, you know, really what, what we can do authentically and, and consistently. Um, I have, a, I have an author Facebook page that I, I go almost every other day um, to try to post something and um, Twitter I, I like, and I just, you're right. It, it's, I feel like I, I need to be not careful, but I need to be mindful because it's easy to just tweet something you know, off the cuff and really you want to, you really want to use your, your knowledge and insight. So, um, and then I, you know, my blog, the practice of creativity there, I, for many, many years, it's, you know, every Sunday, I missed a Sunday this week, but you know, or last week, but that was, we 
ha we've had exceptional times, but usually, yeah. you know, um, but I, I think it's, it, I, I'm on Instagram, but I'm not as active. So I, I also feel like it, it's where you can be consistent. Um, and, and, and the more important thing is, is, is the writing. I mean, it's always, you know, it's always that. Yeah, it really is. It is. Uh, I'm working right now on a an interactive story, so uh, and I, I should. I'm hoping to have it up. I keep saying soon, um, but it's uh, through Messenger. So then you sign up on Messenger, and then you try to. And it's for, it's short, and I want to do several, you know, throughout the year, where you try to. My character's not the swiftest chick, um, and she's rather selfish so I mean her first thought is always herself though she does come through and 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 she cares about her family and she does the right thing but she doesn't want to because she's busy you know she manages her brother's affairs he's famous and she takes care of him behind the scenes so but this is um you know in the book uh you June you you laugh at June's stupidity but how much better can you do in her in her shoes I, so then I as june that. you read the book and you decide what are you going to do if you do this you're going to get made fun of possibly if you do this you know what's going to happen you know if you do this that kind of thing so that's what i'm working on right now and i'm kind of you know spending more time um i'm taking a class on how to do messenger bots that so, sounds fun and it's, Count it's, me in as a, it, this is facebook messenger yes facebook messenger yeah, that's I now that I you know that's how people can you know I, I like it, it, it's easier to me to interact there sometimes than just email I get so tired and over but I will respond so I think that's that's really brilliant doing something yeah it's, I, I was I saw someone had done it and I started it like two years ago <laughs> I still haven't made it live yet well things take, you know, things uh, take a while to incubate and to you know yeah. get yeah. to the point you're ready to launch them so yeah I, I keep saying my next newsletter is gonna be ready so they can dive in and then it's not ready <laughs> um, but uh, but I've managed to put out let's see we've done eight books now so six are nonfiction but still oh, they were a lot of work and I had some we do Lisa and I did a series of um, writing prompt where you roll dice to get your writing prompts and I had somebody say to me see so just took a bunch of lists off of off of the internet and I said I wish. No, my sweet, no. Uh, we worked together um, for months, you know, to get these, to get everything. And no, I would have loved to have sat down and had a, a list given to me. Like, well, no. and, it, and it's such a unique way of coming up with prompts and writing too. I, I just, I think that's a, you know, when you come up with something really good, it, it takes a while to kind of organize it, but then it's, you know, then it's really good. And it's out yeah. there. Yeah, and it's fun. It's fun. I, I, I want to write more short stories. I want to, my biggest thing is being able to write a short story. I think in one of the, I love Masterclass, going back to that again, I think it was Neil Gaiman maybe who said, consider the short story as the last chapter of your book. Hey, that, I still ponder that, Melissa. Because yes. he, he's like, it could be the beginning. Right, the, the last piece of your short story could be the beginning of a novel basically or the end of it like he was like yeah. it, it was just yeah so it makes me when i when i read short short stories now um since hearing that i do try to think about that but it's like yeah he's if you have not taken 
Yeah, we do you, have to you, pay for this. But if you have not taken Neil Gaiman's masterclass, we would recommend it. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Yeah. And and a, a while ago, they were doing a special where for $180, you bought the masterclass series, all of the series, and you could have a friend join you for free. So, of course, then you just, your friend gives you 90 bucks and you, which is what happened with me. A friend of mine said, hey, <laughs> do you want to do this? And I'm like, yes, because I'd been dying to take um so many of the classes. I mean, God, Misty Copeland teaches ballet. I, oh my yes, God, I, I, I love Misty Copeland. Oh. Yes, she's amazing. And oh. and I like that they just have a range of, you know, Bobby Brown teaches, you know, makeup and foundations of makeup. And people are on there around, you know, um, Anna Wintour on fashion. And it, yeah, yeah, Gordon it, Ramsay has two cooking classes. Ah. Yes, yeah. so. it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's a great resource. It truly is. It truly is. And I, 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 um, Chris, ah, the astronaut, the astronaut who used to play oh. guitar at the space station. He's yes. got a master class. Yes. I have not, I have not looked at that one yet, but yeah. Yeah. So, and, I, but, and but again, this is a challenge. It's like balancing out the, the learning and, and, and the reading and then the actual, the writing. I mean, that, that's a, that's something I think we all struggle with because there, there's the ever-expanding set of, you know, writing workshops, especially now that we're mostly at home, um, trying to balance out that, that craft building and also, you know, just building your business with the actual writing. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and the, the whole, at some point you got to stop researching and write, you know? Yes. Yeah, for, for my last book, I researched the Coast Guard and I spent a couple months researching and reading all about the Coast Guard. And I think the Coast Guard appears in like 300 words worth of the book. <laughs> like, why did I spend all that time on the Coast Guard? And I interviewed a girl who was in the Coast Guard who worked on those kind of boats that, that, that rescues my character twice. Mm. And, you know, well, the easy thing for, for this, and I know I'll do other books later, we'll actually have to do things where people see what's happening. But with June... You know, for I, there was a, a scene with um where she was at a crime scene, and they want to work the crime scene, and she's in a bathroom. And every time I had a police a police detective who would read the scene and go, "Okay, no plastic, no this, no this, no that. You got this wrong. You got this wrong." And I'd rewrite it, and he'd look at it and go, and just laugh. You got this wrong. You got that. Finally, I wrote it where she closes her eyes and she never opens them, and she hears all this stuff going around. And she never, oh she doesn't say, I thought that's the only way I could get through that scene. So, so for this series, that's what happens. She pays no attention when someone's explaining how something works. She just doesn't listen. Well, and, and I do think that's the, the, the level of detail, you know, when you look at some, someone who wrote uh, Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, Yes. you know, the people who, I mean, he, he created a great story, but, you know, people who want to know the level of oxygen to this and, and all of those details you know, that, that is a kind of an expectation in that genre, but I think cozy mysteries, there are just different levels of what readers are expecting and how detailed you need to go. And, and then it's also like, well, what is this delivering emotionally to the, to the reader? I think that's yeah. the other, yeah. you know, that's the other piece. Yeah. And thankfully for, for my case, it works with June's whole not paying attention to anything, <laughs> missing out on life because she just doesn't, care you know she just wants to sit in her hot tub and drink her rum and um and not worry about it and and avoid her brother's crazy fans uh so uh it's 
I mean, it's been a fun series to write. So you're, you're, you're going to work on horror next? So, yes. So uh, Renew You was part of this uh, longer novel that I may mine for other stories, like parallel stories um, for that world, so to speak. Uh, but I am supposed to deliver a horror novel in the next couple of months. And that, that should be out at the end of the year fingers crossed. Um, and that will be a very different, you know, it will just, it'll be a, it, I would say in some ways a more traditional horror novel, whereas Renew You is more sci-fi with some elements of psychological horror. Uh, so yeah. Um, so the, and then, I, and at the, so that is something I'm, you know, contracted for, have a deadline. And then I am trying to, for myself, work on this cozy mystery, which I, I may be reaching out to you about. Still, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, did a, I did a NaNoWriMo draft many years ago and I'm just going through and now making it like from the NaNoWriMo uh, like baby draft, which in, into like a real draft. And so I'm just trying to revise that and get through and then kind of see where I am. And um, yeah, I, 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 I like to hop around. <laughs> A bit. Yeah, you know, it's it's you get bored in the same genre. You know, as a screenwriter, I could write anything, but as a novelist, mm. if I write in two different genres, people freak out, and I don't get that. Right, I, I, because I like to read. You know, I, 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 as we were talking about at the very beginning, you know, I pretty much will read just about anything um, in terms of fiction. And uh, I don't read a lot of epic fantasy, but I'm not opposed to it. I'm not like, oh my goodness, I will never read this. But some people have very strong preferences. And so, you know, we'll have to see, one, if, if the mystery is strong enough that it, it, it can move forward. But if I'm going to write something really outside of speculative fiction, um, you know, can I use it under my name or do I have to create a different persona? I know a lot of writers, you know, write in different fields under different names. Yeah, I, I'm, I've got a sci-fi. Yeah, I've got a sci-fi piece that I'm going to be doing. Uh, I think it's in three or five books. I just have to. Oh wow! Figure wow. out how many, how much of a story there is. So, but it's really exciting. And my husband keeps saying, "When are you going to write that one?" And I'm going to use a pen name for that one. Okay. Um, but I think you know, with the cozy, if you can figure out, you know, a, a, either a city or a character that you can take from place to place. You know, that, that thing that really makes the cozy really cool for me anyway, is that character, that lead character. There's a series That's that, that uh, I interviewed the girl and I'm so sorry, I'm not gonna remember her name. Um, Hillcrest Witches is the series and it's, there's a little town and there's a dimension, there's a, there's a gap between the dimensions and the, they work on keeping the town safe and it's a really cool series. Mm, mm. And Amaret Anderson, maybe. Mm. I might be getting her confused with somebody else. I'm sorry, Amaret, if I am. I think that's the author, but I'll look it up and I'll correct myself in the beginning. Uh, so she's got this really cool town with all these characters and these witches. So, you know, if you can find that, that something, um, like some people do culinary, um, well, and I think I fashion, um, I'm I fashion, think fashion, fashion would be great. And he, the character, I, I, it's kind of set in Raleigh right now. Um, but the character I definitely could see moving through a series. So, but you're right. Like trying to make her 
And it was interesting what you were saying earlier about your character. It sounds like her, your character doesn't necessarily the arc, you know, a lot of cozy series, really in a lot of mysteries generally, the character doesn't always change dramatically from book to book. Like there's, there's these kind of gradual changes. Um, so I really, that's why, I mean, I kind of fall in love with characters and that's usually why I start, how I start writing. I'm trying to also think about plot and conflict, but usually I'll start with a character. Yeah, yeah, that 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 person that you want to spend time with. They've got to be something you somebody that you want to spend time with because you could be with them for a really long time if if the audience really likes them. <laughs> a really long time. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, what I think I forget there was some movie where the the writer absolutely hated their character, was trying to figure out a way to kill off the character because the the world loved the character and the writer hated the character. I just can't remember what book it. It might have been American Dreamer with Jobeth Williams and um, Tom Conti, which oh. you can't find, unfortunately. I love that movie where he wrote, I, it wasn't romance. I think it was like, yeah, because Count Runoloff was one of the bad guys in his book. And, you know, and uh, these things happened, but he didn't, he, his mother was his, his pen name. And she would go to the book signings and sign the books. And he didn't want people to know it was him that wrote the books. So that. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, this is great. He, I love, I loved him as an actor. He's, he's great. Except he that killed his character in Friends. I mean, he did that. He played Ross's wife-to-be Emily's drunk father. And it's like, oh, what a waste of Tom Conti. Such a great actor. Uh, but that, but that's, that's a fun one to look for too. Because uh, Joe Buck Williams was fantastic in it. So people want to find you. Do you have a mailing list so people can get, get ready for the horror book if they want to? Oh my goodness. Uh, I, unfortunately, I don't have a mailing list for my fiction, but if you go to the practice of creativity and I'll just spell it out, it's Michelle Berger, Michelle with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R.wordpress.com they'll find ways to contact me and I would love to put them on a list. Um, as well as I do have a starting a list, my sister and I, for people who like kind of modern fantasy with dark elements, so I can direct them in all sorts of places. So, and if you're, if, if they're writers, the practice of creativity has a lot of resources for writers too, but yeah. And I'm, I'm on Twitter at Michelle T. Berger and I'm active on there. And my Facebook page, my author Facebook page is my full name, Michelle Tracy Berger. So come find me, come play with me. Let's talk, let's connect. It'd be great. That sounds good. And I will put all of those links in the show notes. If you're listening, sometimes I forget that we're actually doing a podcast. And, <laughs> and then like, um, like we, we, we met each other through the Queer Arthur Summit and I interviewed Jay and Zach on my show. And oh, at one point I was sitting there listening to Jay talk and I forgot that I was interviewing him. I thought I was watching <laughs> <laughs> I, started, I said to Zach later, what a moron, because all of a sudden it was dead air, and I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute, I'm interviewing them. I'm not watching a podcast. <laughs> uh, and I was kind of marveling at, wow, there's his, there's his uh, attic, and yeah, there. <laughs> That's so for a moment, I kind of forgot that we were doing a podcast. So if you are listening on the podcast, and I always say, if you are listening and you are in the car, make sure you pull over before you look at the show notes. And uh, in these COVID times, you are probably at home wishing you were in your car driving somewhere. 
And if you are on, uh, and if you want to comment, uh, go down to the show notes and click that link and you will comment on the YouTube page uh, because I can't find you if you comment on whatever app you're listening to the podcast in because it's all over the place and I will not see it. So make sure that you go down to that comment link and you comment and you can find Michelle through all of the links there. And thank you so much for coming on when you finish your horror book. Why don't you come back and talk to us about that one? Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Melissa. This was so much fun. And, and it just felt like talking to you in the backyard. All we needed was like a, a glass of rosé or something. You know, <laughs> we, that's, we probably need to add that for the, for the next one. We'll just sit and draw it up. I'd probably start singing or something. No, we probably shouldn't drink. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. You know, I have this great bottle of um, Zacapa XO and um, it's really expensive. It's like finished in cognac casks so it's got just that extra sweetness to it and it loves a kappa it's a rum it's my favorite rum and so my sister gave sent me that for christmas and i know for my birthday and i I had to laugh because i told her the manuscript that i just finished that's what june is drinking in the manuscript or she tries to she gets a glass of it and it gets knocked out of her hand and she's like ah you know the the stuff that you have to special order ah so anyway so (laughs) i will let you go and uh like i said everybody uh drop down to the show notes you will find all those links to find michelle and her books and uh thank you so much thank you Michelle. i can't wait till she comes back with her horror book i really love horror i say that all the time that genre i really love that genre um it's a book. I love books. Anyway, so uh, that's it for this week. I've got some great shows lined up for you in future weeks, so make sure you keep coming back. And uh, if you are, like I said earlier in the show at the beginning, if you are an author or you have a book I absolutely have to read, let me know. Go down to the show notes. Click on that link. It will take you to the YouTube page, and that's where I will find everything. If you don't want to mention your book on the YouTube page, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on my, um, my website. You can contact me through there. Uh, it is just like it sounds, melissabonzak.com, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, B as in boy, A as in apple, N-C-Z-A-K, and I'll have it in the show notes too. And uh, I'm going to go off and uh, do some writing. I got to get these next books finished. And uh, I guess that's it. I'm kind of, um, let's see, I was thinking there was something else I was going to tell everybody. I don't know. Anyway, I've been sitting in my office too long today. So uh, I'm going to go get some lunch. You go read a good book. 